Welcome to In the Newsroom, a podcast from the East Oregonian and Hermiston Herald. My name is Alex Castle, a reporter with the East Oregonian, and today I'm joined by Antonio Sierra, another reporter with the East Oregonian. And along with him is Jade McDowell, editor for the Hermiston Herald and reporter with the East Oregonian, and our producer, Ben Lonegren. And today it is uh, Friday, uh, June 12th. We're chatting a little bit here about phase two reopening for Umatilla County, but also how the Confederated, Confederated Tribes of the Umatilla Indian Reservation have reopened, along with just kind of what the summer outlook looks like out here in Umatilla County, as we're expected to be kind of in this phase for the next several months and kind of an indefinite timeline with that. So I know, Jade, Antonio, you guys both done some stories. Antonio, you have a, a comprehensive story coming out tomorrow uh, about how the tribes have reopened. Jade, you've been kind of uh, locked in there in Hermiston with how they're uh, reopening, specifically with some of the outdoor recreation stuff. So just kind of <laughs> with where we are right now, what does what do things look like here in Umatilla County and on the reservation? And, and what kind of do people have to expect uh, their summer will look like out here? Yeah, I guess I'll start. So uh, we've been covering the uh, C2IR and the way they've been responding to COVID-19 uh, since, I guess, kind of since the beginning. The first case uh, was related to them in the sense that uh, the Weston man who had the first case of COVID-19 was a uh, wild horse employee. Um, but he was not a tribal member, and uh, and they quickly shut things down for a, a day or two, a few days, and uh, then reopened again. And then, of course, as the cases continue to climb, both in the state and in Umatilla County, they kind of joined uh, the rest of uh, Eastern Oregon in shutting things down. Um, and uh, that's the way it was kind of been for a couple months, um, including shutting down Wild Horse, which is one of the biggest economic drivers in Pendleton and the region, um, and they kept it that way. Um, and they've kind of opened a little more open to slow, or slow to open than uh, than the rest of the region. Um, they didn't really open Wild Horse until a few weeks ago. Um, and uh, so I spoke with Chuck Sams. The He is both the uh, commander of the incident command team and uh, the spokesman for the tribes. And one of the things he told me when I asked him about their cautious approach to reopening, he said uh, that we're not driven by capitalism or something to that extent, which was <laughs> a very blunt quote. I laughed the first time I heard it, not because I thought it was funny, but because people aren't usually that direct out here. Um, but uh, he said that the health came first ahead of everybody, um, not that they were necessarily anti-capitalist or weren't participants in, in capitalism, but that uh, – that help was going to take uh, priority over profit. So Walters is now open again um, with a lot of social distancing measures. Um, people have to uh, go through a, a thermometer, an external thermometer, uh, before they enter and have to pass that. They all, they've taken a bunch of machines off the floor and shut a lot of them down. So there's social distancing. If you are walking or standing, uh, you have to wear a mask, which is a step a lot of businesses and uh, – and agencies haven't really taken out here and has kind of caused a lot of consternation in other parts of the country where that policy is in place. But 
according to the CEO, the business is is great. People, there's pent up demand, and there's a lot of people there. So I think the question is is uh, whether they continue to operate and uh, still not see any cases because that's been kind of one of the remarkable things so far is that there's been no reported cases on the CTUIR. They've done three rounds of testing of frontline employees, and they have not seen uh, any positive tests come back. So um, it's as kind of with everything else, uh, we're not out of the woods yet. So we're just kind of waiting to see um, as, as the months go on whether this is all sustainable. And I think it was really interesting to me uh, joining you on that tour and having gone into Wild Horse right before all the, the governor's shutdown orders went into place. And, you know, when I was in there before, the it was completely empty. I mean, there were, you know, a handful of people here and there, but, I mean, more or less the casino floor was empty. And having been in there uh, just last week and, and seeing, I mean, a, a busy, definitely a busy, I, I don't want to say crowded, because, I mean, I think they've done a, a good job at trying to keep people distanced and whatnot, but it was definitely, I mean, bustling in there. There was people at, at many machines, you know, at card tables and we were in there was at the middle of a Friday afternoon. So, uh, and they hadn't formally announced their reopening yet. So definitely, a, a big change there since, uh, before these restrictions went in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something I want to talk about a little bit later, but also, I mean, they've opened up the, the, the movie theater out there as well, and, and I'd like to hear about just kind of what, where some of the more of the differences uh, and why the tribes have taken maybe some of the different approaches um, uh, as the county has. But, uh, Jade, you've had some stories this week about uh, how things are kind of going in Hermiston with Phase 2. What, what does it look like over there right now? Uh, yeah, I talked to for a story, um, went to the bowling alley in Hermiston or bowling center, the desert lanes, family fun center. Uh, and that was interesting. Bowling seems like one of those things that you're crazy. Why would you go bowling during a pandemic? But I was really impressed with if you look and you actually see it and people are spaced out every other lane. So they're actually fairly far apart and they've taken measures, like they put all of the bowling balls behind the counter. And so you go and you check out a specific one for you. And then when you check back in, they sanitize it. Uh, so they really have done a lot of things to try and reduce those touch points, keep people well over six feet apart from each other. And it uh, sounds like uh, the, the aquatic center hasn't opened up yet, but I talked to parks and recreation director, Larry Fetter about what they're looking at for the summer. They need a couple of weeks to be able to get their lifeguards trained and make sure they're staffed up and everything. but uh they're they're doing it two different ways so depending on your comfort level if you want to come in the morning you will have your own zone of the pool you and whoever you arrived with and so nobody will be allowed to come within your part of the pool or in the afternoon people will be able to roam around more but parties that came together will be issued colored wristbands and there will be someone who will be monitoring and telling people with different colored wristbands that they can't get too close to each other uh so it'll be a weird summer um you know it it also i talked to a church as well and i wasn't present for their services on sunday but talked to the pastor and he talked about how they've split their congregation into a couple of different sections 
And so they can have fewer people and spread them out in the pews and then sanitize between. And, you know, that's something personally, I usually attend church. The church that I attend hasn't reopened yet. So I'll be very interested to see, um, talk to some members, you know, about, well, are you, are you going to wear a mask when we go back? Uh, are you going to go? Things like that. And so there's there's kind of a disconnect. I think you see some people are saying, I'm just really scared to go anywhere that's not essential yet. I, why would I go bowling? Why would I go to the pool? But there are also a lot of other people who are saying, I feel pretty comfortable with all the measures that are being taken. You know, these things seem like they're low risk enough that I want to do them. And uh, we have the interesting phenomenon in the Tri-Cities, or I mean, in Hermiston of being half an hour from the Tri-Cities. And Washington has usually had stricter rules than us on most things. Uh, we saw early on golf courses never closed in Oregon, but Washington's did. So heard a lot of complaints from readers who said, every time I go to the golf course, it's all Washington plates there. And when I talked to uh, the bowling center manager, he also said he was getting a lot of calls from people from the Tri-Cities that wanted to return the lane. So some of the people that you're seeing in Hermiston at some of these things uh, probably aren't even Hermiston residents. They may be coming to their places. Really up in the yeah, and at, we're, we have to kind of add the context in as well. I mean, yesterday here in Oregon on Thursday was the highest single case uh, uh, increase that we've seen in, uh, for COVID-19 since the pandemic started. You look at Hermiston and uh, here locally, still by far the hot spot for the outbreak. Over 50% of the cases uh, in the county are in the Hermiston area. And I, I spoke with uh, Joe Fiamara, the health director here in Umatilla County yesterday. Um, and they still don't have a single thing to attribute that to, but it is uh, that travel between uh, uh, across the border from with Washington. That's been something they've pointed to a lot, and that continues to to give them some some trouble as well when it comes to to meeting the standards that they had to to reach phase two uh, when it comes to contact tracing uh we had some delays in our application here locally if you'll remember and those were um partially par prompted by contact tracing problems so i that that will be something to to keep an eye on but with uh, the, the aquatic center that's opening up over in Hermiston, but I, I know it kind of caused some, some uproar, at least on our Facebook page when, uh, we found out Pendleton won't be, uh, opening their aquatic center. Antonio, do you have any more context that you can add with, with kind of that? Yeah. So, uh, it was, I believe that was last Friday, the city sent out a short announcement saying that the Pendleton aquatic center would be closed for the season, mainly for budgetary reasons that kind of uh, stoked an outcry on social media and amongst the public. And so the city manager came out again on Monday with a longer statement and explained that um, given that the public pool regulations uh, that are offered by the state only allow up to 100 people. Is it 100 or 250? Um, I believe it's I believe it's 100. 100, yeah. yeah. Um, so – Given that they could only allow 100 people, they, they went through a bunch of scenarios like uh, maybe we only open one pool, maybe we don't heat the pools, uh, things that could save money, but they just couldn't make the math work, uh, at least according to them. 
and uh, they decided to uh, shut down the pool for the season. And uh, the way the pool finances work, about half the money comes from uh, the fees uh, and uh, concessions that people pay when they go to the pool. Um, and then the other half comes from the general fund, which is the mainly paid through property taxes and uh, is shared by things like uh, the fire department, the police department, uh, other parks and recreation programs. Um, and so uh, what uh, city manager Rob Corbett told me was that uh, they were just not willing to sacrifice the rest of the general fund or risk putting the uh, rest of the general fund uh, at jeopardy to keep the pool open under uh, less than ideal circumstances. So uh, at this point, the pool is staying closed, um, and now we've learned that Hermiston's is staying open, um, which uh, we'll see, but uh, it seems to be something that will not uh, have folks uh, being happy about. So. Yeah, whether it's the budget aspect or the health aspect, a lot of the, the recreation being affected around here. And I'm one thing I, I'm interested about, uh, Antonio, specifically with the reopening uh, aspect for the tribes is, and, you know, we've seen pushback from, from people here locally when it comes to the aquatic center, but, you know, we've seen, we've had rallies here. Uh, we touched on, on our last podcast about not, not reopening fast enough. And, um, you know, you said Chuck Sam's kind of pointed to not being driven by capitalism as one, one thing that allowed them to, um, open at the pace that they did. But I mean, was there pushback or, or was there, was there any kind of challenges like that, that the tribes were having to, to com, kind of contend with when it came to, to pressure from the public for how they were kind of going about their plans? So the one, the one thing that I heard, uh, from both Chuck and, uh, someone else from the tribes, the thing that they, one thing they did receive pushback for was there was a temporary ban on traditional sweating. Um, I guess, uh, spiritual sweating or sweating related to the tribal religion of Washat uh, has existed for more than 10,000 years. It's something that they've done for a long time as both a therapeutic and medicinal practice. And uh, they, with the thought that if you had people in a very warm environment uh, sitting next to each other for long periods of time, it could increase the spread of COVID-19 so uh, for a while, they uh, outright uh, banned all sweating, uh, and then they've kind of loosened the restriction in recent weeks and, and allowed for um, families to go into their own sweat lodges, but uh, they, uh, they still have those community sweat lodges closed. So that was something that they said received pushback, um, but they said a tribal leader came out and said, hey, you can still practice shot you can still practice our tribal traditions and our tribal religion the the main things that you can still be able to pray and still be able to sing things that you can do uh, by yourself or with family at home um, sweating is only one component of that um, so uh, th that that restriction has been uh, loosened but uh, that was something they did receive pushback on but um, otherwise um, you know I can't say too much not being on the reservation every day uh, but at least publicly doesn't seem to be there didn't seem to be a lot of pushback. And I know one of the things that kind of comes up over and over and over again when we talk about reopening is is kind of the comfort level of people. And Jade, I know you did some polling of the uh, the Hermiston Herald readers 
uh, to kind of gauge what they thought about uh, the trajectory of reopening? Yeah, I actually had just pulled up that poll because I wanted to check what the final numbers were. I closed it yesterday and this was totally unscientific, just, you know, on our site, if anybody noticed it, uh, but said, how do you feel about Umatilla County's move to phase one of reopening? This is when we were still in phase one. Uh, 13 people said the rules in place are still too restrictive. 20 people said the rules are being lifted too quickly to be safe. And 16 people said things are moving at about the right pace. So I think the people that are most vocal on our Facebook pages are the people who think that things are too restrictive, that every time we post something about, you know, this is reopening and here's the rules on it, they complain about those rules and say this is ridiculous. But according to the poll, at least, there are more people who either think that things are moving at the right pace or maybe too fast. And as we look at kind of the, these recreational activities that are going to become available during the summer now, during phase two, that degree of comfort level, I think, has been is kind of one of the major uh, things just to, to watch that I think is kind of unknown. It's definitely, I mean, it's going to vary across individuals. So I got to ask you guys, I mean, who, what, is there anything that now in phase two you're really looking forward to getting out and, and doing again? Yeah, I've been, I've been pretty conservative about going out. Um, the thing that you hear from experts is that um, that the fall may bring a second round of uh, COVID-19 spreads and outbreaks. Um, and uh, personally, I've been concerned that there's going to be a false sense of security um, with the summer and uh, everyone's uh, the warm weather and uh, immune systems being a little less compromised in the cold weather months. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's been nice uh, seeing people again and, and, and going outside a little more. Um, but uh, I'm kind of uh, hedging my bets until we kind of get deeper into things and, and hopefully uh, – get more treatments and, and vaccines on the market. Yeah, and for me, uh, same as Antonio, I've been really careful just because I know it'd be a huge problem in the office if for the Hermiston Herald, since I'm doing so much for it, if I was really sick for a couple of weeks and I haven't wanted to put that on everyone else. And so I've been careful. But I think probably where my comfort level most is is with outdoor things. There's, I always read the articles, see about, you know, what experts are saying about what they're learning about, what's the most high risk and what's not. And, uh, think, you know, things like going for a walk with a friend instead of going over to their house and visiting with them or going to the farmer's market instead of going to the grocery store. Uh, those seem like the safest bets and where I think I will be most comfortable this summer is if I am doing recreational things with other people that it would definitely be outside and uh you know I've, i'm just holding off on things like getting a haircut for now because to me it's i'd rather have my hair be a little long and scraggly when not as many people are seeing me anyways and <laughs> risk that okay for a haircut i got really sick yeah yeah I th i've gone like i think 18 months without a haircut so i think i'll, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll wait as long <laughs> as i need to 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 go back in what about you ben uh, I mean, I think what a lot of it comes down to is really, I mean, you think about it, I mean, myself especially, I'm out in the community every single day 
talking to people, uh, shooting photographs, you know, doing interviews and whatnot. And, you know, I, I try and stay cautious predominantly because of that. It's like because I interact with so many people because, you know, the course of my work brings me into contact with people with, you know, varying levels of caution towards the issue. It's like I try and respect that and I try and uh, try and keep an eye towards that as I'm moving about the community. I mean, choosing to still wear a mask. I mean, I'm young, I'm relatively healthy, you know, more likely than not, my chances are pretty darn good if I were to contract anything. You know, I'm kind of in that that right uh, demographic to just carry it quietly. And so trying to be really conscious about that as I'm interviewing people, you know, wearing a mask, things like that to to just help, uh, you know, make sure that everyone stays healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, Antonio, you're a movie guy, right? I mean, yeah, I like okay. going to the movies. OK, because, yeah. So one of the stories, uh, at least an aspect of the story I worked on this week was talking with the, the movie theaters that are opening up and then mentioned the Cineplex over at Wild Horse has opened back up. And there's been a lot of uh, discussion for the movie industry specifically about that comfort level of people coming back out and and watching the movies. So are you, you going to yeah. go to a theater at all this summer? Uh, I haven't made plans yet. Um, the Obviously, with COVID-19, Hollywood has and shut down production on nearly everything. Yeah. Um, so the uh, something that Gary George mentioned to me was that there's no blockbusters out right now. The theater has kind of been slow to come back in terms of, of uh, audience members. Um, which he said which is to be expected when all the movies are at least a few months old. Um, so um, I don't know if I'll be going to a movie theater. Um, from you know what I've heard, the theaters are all putting in social distancing um, practices, which is great. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'll be going back anytime soon, <clears throat> um, at least until um, – unless I could – get something i could assure that the the crowd is going to be so sparse that i would um you know know that i'd be several rows away from anybody which I, it has happened before in uh pre-covid times and it's been great yeah. but uh <laughs> but yeah um yeah i don't i haven't really thought about it too specifically but uh i haven't made any specific plans for the next few days or weeks yeah and i think you know while we are all i mean generally on the cautious side I never would have thought I'd be comfortable going to a bowling alley or a movie theater. And having been to both, you know, for work in the last week, I, I've been incredibly impressed with kind of the measures people have taken to uh, kind of alleviate that concern and help with that. I mean, you look at the bowling alley where they, you know, sterilize the ball between every use. That definitely wasn't happening pre-COVID. I mean, there's many things like that where it's, you know, obviously significant steps have been taken to try and, um, you know, not only alleviate that fear, but also try and, you know, combat the spread of this virus. And I think that's definitely worth noting. I mean, walking into those places, it's like, oh, you know, this this doesn't seem too bad. I mean, yes, it's the middle of the week on an afternoon. The bowling alley probably wasn't going to be that busy anyways, but you know, seeing the steps they're taking to spread people out, to to do all that kind of stuff, I mean, has been pretty impressive. The same goes for, for Wild Horse. I mean, checking 
temperatures at the doors, you know, requiring masks, uh, even going so far as to change some of their smoking policies so that people are, are wearing masks the whole time they're moving about the facility, at least. I think that's uh, definitely inspired confidence in kind of people's ability to adapt to this, this quote unquote new normal. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with Ben. You know, I think sometimes in my reporting, I get these big lists of here's what we're doing to combat COVID-19. And you look at the list and it seems ridiculously long and so cumbersome. And, uh, you know, how could you ever enforce that? But then when you actually go to the place and you see those things in action, uh, it it doesn't seem as bad as it looks on paper. And it does seem like, oh, you know what? People are following this. And so thinking about that with this week, the state put out uh, the guidelines to help schools start putting together a roadmap for reopening in the fall. And uh, it's so many pages of guidelines. And I, I don't envy the teachers next year and the administrators that are going to be trying to get kids to stay safe. Uh, but I do think that uh, same with all the businesses that and the churches and things that have been reopening that you're going to see some really creative things and in the end it may not look as bad or be as difficult as it might seem on paper just looking at line after line of restrictions um, you know they're not making kids wear masks they're saying they can if they want to and a lot of it is around trying to keep kids in cohorts so you have the same kids together all day and you're not mixing hundreds of children all together uh, and so if you do have an outbreak you know they've only exposed a limited number of people and then going with the hygiene uh you know more measures about making sure everybody washes their hands when they enter the classroom and those sorts of things and then trying to space the desks apart i think that'll be a challenge probably the biggest challenge you know public schools i've been to the desks you don't have enough room to spread kids six feet apart under normal circumstances. And so they're going to have to get creative with trying to maybe do split shifts of children or opening up. Maybe you've got some lecture classes that are have desks in the gym or the lunchroom or whatever that might be. But I'll, I'll be interested to continue covering that and see in person what those practices look like well uh i think that's all everything that we have for uh this episode things are definitely looking different they're going to look different throughout the summer and really until we have a vaccine some type of reliable treatment for covid19 this is going to be something that we continue to cover so you can go ahead and pick up the latest edition of the east oregonian go to our website eastoregonian.com or find us on facebook and twitter to stay up to date on all of our coverage Thanks to uh, Antonio Sierra, Jade McDowell, uh, Ben Lonergan. My name's Alex Castle. This has been In the Newsroom, and we'll talk to you next time.